Ecclesiastes chapter 3, starting with verse 1. For everything, there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born, and a time to die. A time to plant, and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill, and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to cast away, a time to tear, and a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. Lord, we thank you for your word as it has been read this morning. Father, I pray that you would speak to uh, this body of believers, Lord, this family here, as we gathered in your house to, to worship and to hear your word. And God, as we hear your word, I, I pray that it, it grows our faith as I know it, is, it will. I know that as your word goes out, that it's going to, to do exactly what it's intended to do. Lord, I pray that you would call believers to, to righteous living through you. I pray, God, that you would call sinners unrepentant hearts, God. I pray that you would call them to repentance today. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. As you guys, as we've been reading through this, this, uh, this diatribe, this, uh, this, this different reading, then I think a lot of us are accustomed to, to going through this different study. Um, I thought it'd be good this morning to kind of start out to kind of talk about what we've talked about so far. There's been several themes we've hit on, as you'll recall. Uh, we've talked about uh, human wisdom. How does that go for us most of the time? We've talked about human wisdom. We've, we've talked about human effort. Vanity of vanities, right? He, he talks, everything is, is back to vanity of vanities. You can, you can have all this wisdom. You can have all this effort put forth. He also talks about achievement, what we talked about last week. Everything that he had achieved in this life, the man literally had a king's fortune behind him, and he still didn't find the fulfillment that he thought he would find. These themes that we've looked at throughout uh, Ecclesiastes thus far, this, this idea of wisdom, effort, and achievement apart from God, they're nothing. And then this morning we get to, uh, some of y'all might have just thought that was some hippie song from the 70s, right, or 60s. There's a time for everything, isn't there? If you've lived long enough, you know that this is true. You know that there's a, good, there, there's a time for good things happening and then bad things happen. And we look at this passage of Scripture this morning and we see that there definitely is a time for everything. As you're looking through those verses there, you know, we get this idea. I mean, we've all seen that there's been a time to be born. If you're a parent, those are great times. But on the... On the converse here, on the opposite side, and there's also death, right? How many of us have dealt with death in our life? 
It's a part of life. But there's a time for both. There's a time for, for, for being born. There's a time for dying. And, and as you're reading through here, I mean, this is life. The, the writer gives us a definition of what life is, this, this idea that, that life just continues on, too. Because there's, there's not a point made in here that we haven't experienced both if you've been here very long. Times to plant, times to, to pluck up. You know, we went through a planting season, and a lot of you guys are harvesting your gardens now, or you have in the last couple months. And, you know, the, the bigger crops, the corns and the, the soybeans, you'll start to see these, these fields. They'll be plowed under, won't they? There was a time to plant. Now there's a time to, to pluck up what was planted. There's, there's times set forth for us. It's not always the same. In the writing itself, we see this repetition. And, 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 if, and if we're grasping what this guy is writing about in the book thus far, he's really just talking about how life is, it, it just kind of goes on, this, this idea of repetition. Did you guys realize that, that Tuesday will be Monday this week? I know a lot of you are excited about being off work tomorrow, but Tuesday will be Monday for you this week, so don't get too excited. But isn't it amazing how you know, we, we look forward to the weekend, and before we know it, it's Monday morning again. It's this idea of repetition. We're back to going into a time of fall, and then winter, and then spring, and guess what? Summer. Then back to fall. It's it's idea that we see in this writing, even the, the poetics, the, the literary device that he uses here, this idea of a time to and a time to. He he contrasts it with a with what we would consider a good thing with a bad thing. I read this and I see that this is a definition of what life truly is, right? We go through times that are just great and then times that are just terrible. What's the point in this? You know, this life, it's, it's repetitive. If we could define some of the stuff he's written here, life is repetitive. Everybody say amen. It's tough. It's good. It's difficult. It's fun. It's sad. It's joyful. It's full of life. It's drenched in death. This is the life that we have been dealt. This is the, the, the existence that mankind is under at this time. And guys, we can find this thought that we're going into this morning as depressing. You can look at these first few verses here in Ecclesiastes 3. You can look at it and you can think, man, this is really depressing. Or guys, you can look at it in this respect. This is what is to be expected. If I could sum up these first few verses here in Ecclesiastes, I would say this. It's good to know what you're up against. It's good to know what you're up against. There's a lot of people, they, they kind of walk through life with a, everything's going to be good. And no doubt, probably when you came to Christ, when you gave your life to the Lord, you probably thought, well, everything's going to be perfect now. You ever been there? If I give my life to Jesus, then my relationships are going to be perfect. I'm not going to be tempted with sin anymore. There's not going to be any more pain. I'm not going to have to work anymore. All my bills are going to say paid in full. The preacher's only going to preach for like 12 minutes this morning, and then my meal's going to be paid for. We get these rosy pictures of us to what life can be like sometimes, but that's not life. We need to be a, a people who are resilient, and the way we can be resilient is to understand what we're up against. Everybody with me this morning so far? 
as good as life can be. You know, this morning we had some wonderful times of worship. Your Sunday schools were great, but you know what? You guys are going to go through stuff this week, and I don't mean to bum you out, but there's going to be days that you're just not feeling it. There's going to be stuff happening to you this week that you're going to be like, man. We were, we were driving down the highway, coming home the other night, and uh, there was tire, pieces of tire all over the road. And then there's a, a line of cars in front of us, and everybody's going around this guy, you know, and honking and doing all this. And, and uh, we go up, and uh, the guy's tired blown out. I guess he's just trying to get where he, he had one of those fancy metal tires that he was trying to drive on, you know. <laughs> It'll be fine. <laughs> there's tires all over, pieces of tire all over the road. You ever had a day like that? You're just cruising along, and then all of a sudden, you don't even have a, a spare. You, you don't have any. You're just going to have to drive. And, and I, 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 was, I think back on that, Joni, we were both just talking about that. that. That's a bad day. I've been there. But sometimes we just got to keep trudging. We just got to keep going. And it's good to know, as we've gathered here today, we could talk about a million things here. I could give you a history lesson. I could tell you that you're all good people, because apparently that's what people want to hear these days, Right? I could say a lot of stuff this morning, or I could just tell you, hey, here is what you're up against. This world is imperfect. It's broken even. And as we're reading through this, there's a, there's a hope of light in this negative written book. There's a hope of light that, that the writer here in Ecclesiastes reminds us of. As we go into the verses 9 through 15 and on into the, uh, the, father, the following verses here in this chapter, we don't just get this negativity, this, man, there's good and there's bad, and, and it's almost like the way he says it, he's focusing on the bad. Church, I want us to be in remembrance this morning of the fact that we serve a very good God. I want us to not forget this morning that our God is in the business of making things new, of redeeming bad as this world is, and I know, man, we, we've all grown close over the years. I get that. We've went through stuff together, haven't we? We've made it through a pandemic. Even if you just recently arrived in our fellowship here, we have went through a pandemic, and here we are having service, having, having Bible school. Uh, no, not Bible school. <laughs> we didn't get to do that this year. But having vacation Bible school? No, we didn't get to, but we are going forward. Sunday school happened this morning. This Wednesday night, we're going to be proclaiming the gospel to kids. That's life, isn't it? But our God is good. Our God is good. Our, it's not us. It's not our abilities. It's not who we are. Our God is good. And this morning, we're reminded of what we're up against. And so the next few verses, guys, I want you to stick with me. Everybody look at me. Okay, that's weird. Look to the side a little bit. All right. Thank you. <laughs> now I'm playing. <laughs> now that we know what we're up against, now that we're reminded, okay, good happens, bad happens, it's good to know also that we have a game plan. God has surely put us in this life. Do you agree with that? He's put us here. I was created in the image of God. I, I was placed here for such a time as this. He, he sent his son Jesus to die upon the cross of Calvary so that Daniel, so that you, so that we all can go and proclaim the good news to other people who haven't heard yet. 
It's not because I'm good, it's because he is. We need to know that there is a game plan. The writer here in Ecclesiastes, he gives us a really clear game plan this morning. When you look there in verse 10, it it says that God has basically given mankind a job to do. Do you realize that you're not just here just to to draw a check? You're not here just to... uh, uh, you know, to be a pastor, to be a church member. You're not here just for these things. We have all been given a task. There, in, in verse 10, we read it. That we're, that we're to go out and we're to, to do what it, he has put before us. He asked that, that question. I think it makes sense. I believe everybody here can relate to this. What gain has the worker from his toil? What, what do we gain from our work? I remember my parents, I'd say, well, you'll be a better person because you work. <laughs> it's true, though, right? It, you do become a better person if you work. Uh, you, you appreciate what you work for. But really, the, the big picture, though, you can work, and where does your check go? Even if you could work and acquire everything there is in this world, where does that stuff go? Everything is in like this constant state of decay, it seems like. Even the king here, as he's writing this, he had acquired all the wealth and all the prestige that there was in the known world at the time, and he still did not find happiness or peace. Verse 10, he goes on, he says, I've seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. What is that business? That business is going on, continuing. I, I, I continue to pastor not because of abilities that I have or because of the paychecks you give me or whatever. I continue to proclaim the gospel because this is a job that God has given us to do. And I really think the, the broader picture is God has called us all to continue to live and to thrive in this life. To continue, to continue going and doing what the, the good stuff that he's called us to. The righteous things, the, the things that bring him glory. And when we see this this morning, he says that this is a job that God has given us. God has given us the job to continue living, to value life, to go forward. And this is, a, this is a great message we all need to hear because in a time when we're all so political, we're all so divided in this nation, we need to remember that we need to just to keep hanging on and keep going. Don't give up. If, you're, if your political candidate doesn't win this year, so what? Go on. I look at the, the state of our nation right now, and I could see where a civil war could break out. Don't you? The people are so divided, one way or the other. If this guy wins or if this guy wins again, right? And, and, and it's, if this happens, then these people will be mad. If this guy wins, then these people will be mad. And we're so divided as a nation. And we've forgotten the fact that we need to go through this together. We are, after all, the United States of America. We're going to have problems because we're so divided right now. And if our candidate doesn't win, do we stop as the church? Do we revolt? You know what I think we should do? I think we should respect that God is in control of all. As we've done this far. As we are still doing. As I hope we continue to do. Is there a better political candidate? Probably. <laughs> you know, I'm not here talking politics. I don't want anybody here getting up and saying, well, Daniel, blah, blah, blah. No, here's what I'm saying is as a Christian... Uh, be, ex- be expecting the unexpected. We've already read that this morning. 
The game plan is there's good and there's bad, and now what do we do? Well, we continue the work that God has placed within us. That's what we do. We continue in the walk that he started within us, that we don't just stop, that, that we must understand that life has a purpose, that where you're at, living in Porham, Oklahoma, that there's a purpose for you being here. When I came to this church some, how many, how many years ago, 16 years, whatever it's been, when I came here, you know, it's like I look back on it and I didn't realize all the blessings I was going to get to ex- experience while I was here. I probably didn't, really didn't experience, uh, expect to experience all the bad stuff I've experienced too. But all along the way, the God-given job for me to live, guess who's been there with me the whole time? He's never left me. He, is, he has been my constant day and night. And, and we, surely we've all been given a job We've, we've been given a task by God. What we need to understand is that this task is not easy of, of living, but it is God-given. The, the, the job that he's placed before us, it's not easy. It's not easy to be in ministry. It's not easy to be a church member. You know, we, we have meetings sometimes, and, and people don't see things the same way, right? Do we just stop? I've known people that do that. I've known people, they just don't see eye to eye with someone within a church. And guess what they do? They just go down the street or down the road because they think that's the answer. It's not the answer. We work through things. In life, we work through things. As the United States of America, guess what we need to do? We need to work through things. In your families, you, you work through things. We've been given this task to go through life, to, to thrive through life. The task is not easy, but it is God-given. God has given us this opportunity. What he's really saying there is that life is a blessing. And understand, this guy's writing from a very broken perspective at this point. He's writing stuff down, and he's hurt. He's depressed. He has anxieties. He has all this stuff that you're, we've been reading thus far. But even in his writing, he knows what the truth is. And the truth is, is that God is good. We're sitting here this morning, you may have had the roughest week of your life, but I want you to know that God is good. And he's given us a task to continue in living. And so we go on. There in verse 11, it says that he is making all things beautiful. Do you guys believe that? I hope you do. Because here's the thing, the people in the world that are hopeless, they're hopeless because they think nothing's ever going to get better. People kill themselves all the time because they think things are just not going to get better. People, people go and turn to drugs, or they turn to alcohol. They turn to, to lifestyles that are not helpful to them because they think things will never get better, so I might as well just go do what I want to do. And that's the problem. God has made everything beautiful. He's making everything beautiful in its time. If God is in control, then that means He's also going to come through for us. Amen? And no matter what you go through in life, God is going to come through for you. The, the problems that you're going through right now, God will come through for you. I, I can think back, you know, Johnny and I, we've been married some 20 years now, over 20 years. And, man, it's been like the greatest 20 years of my life, I'll be honest with you. But there's been some absolute horrible things that we've had to go through as a couple. There's been some stuff that we went through and we're like, man, this is terrible. This is terrible, and you stay up at night, and you worry about stuff, don't you? You guys been there before? 
You're like, I don't know the answer. I don't know what, what path to take. I don't know these things right now. But the thing is, is that we must understand that God is making everything beautiful. And I've seen him do it time and time again. I can remember when, you know, I heard a, a family member of, my, of mine had, had become in prison. She's pregnant. That sounds like a terrible thing, doesn't it? But God took a terrible thing and he's made it such a, a wonderful, tiring blessing. <laughs> he's turned a, a thing that's, that seems hurtful and, and, and painful and, and broken and, and not able to be redeemed and he's redeemed it. And he's continuing to redeem those that are in the, in the circle. Those that are experiencing it. Those that are seeing it. He's, he's redeeming the whole process. God is in control. If you, if you can walk away with anything today, understand that God is in control. We may not understand these moments, but guys, we can trust the process. You may not understand the, the day-to-day, the, the, the terribleness that you may be going through. You may not understand it. Because I want you to understand you need to trust the process. So the call, as, as good as it is to, to know what we're up against, it's also good to have a game plan. And the game plan of the church today should be this. And everybody hear this. You need to be a vigilant follower of God. Does everybody hear that? Quit being a Christian on Sunday and a pagan on Monday. Well, being a, a Sunday morning Christian or a Wednesday night Christian, guys, it's time that the church rise up and be true followers, vigilant followers of God. It's not just a sometimes thing. It's an all-the-time thing. We are consistently following after God because we understand that He's in control. We understand that this world's going to have its ups and downs, and the game plan for us to get through this is not relying upon our own goodness, but it's relying upon a good and gracious God. That's the plan can't rely upon myself. I've got a lot of friends and family who just believe they're good people and that's going to be good enough for them to get through this life. It's not. It's not good enough. I have to rely upon God. He's, he's the only source of strength that we can have that we will ever find good in this life. It's Him. It's not, it's not ourselves. He goes on and He tells us that we need to seek joy and do good. Seek joy and do good. How many of you guys think that's probably a good way to live your life? I'm going to look for the good stuff in life, and I'm going to do good works. I look at that, and I think that's, that's New Testament teaching right there. Paul talks about it. Talks about that joy, right? You need to seek that joy in your life. Quit seeking the negativity. We know there's good and bad, amen? If you sit and focus on the negative all the time, it's going to be negative, <laughs> As much as I love social media, and I really do, don't click those articles. It's negativity. I, I, I'm amazed at how negative people can be. How hurtful that people can be to each other. Those tough keyboard warriors who think that if, if I s- just put together the words and write in a certain way, it's going to change people's opinions on politics or on uh, whatever. It's, it's not going to change anything. You guys know, I, you can literally post a verse or a Christian vote. 
<laughs> Christian vote, a Christian quote online. You can quote, you can put that on there, and people are just going to have this, this mind-blowing experience where they think that they're going to correct you. What I'm finding is that people within the church can't even agree on what the Word of God says anymore. That people will argue just for the sake of arguing. What does that speak of to you? Well, to me, when I think about this, I, uh, I think it really comes down to the fact that people basically are not good. That what humanism has taught us in this world, that everybody's good. I, I was in college, as many of you were. What did they teach you about, if you took a sociology class, what did they teach you about mankind? We're all good. We're all good. If we're all good, why is it so bad, though? If we're all good, then why do we seek Christ for redemption? If, if we're all good, then, then why do we, so many of us, feel so bad so much of the time? Well, it's because we're not seeking the right things. We're not seeking redemption from God. Whatever God does, it lasts. I, I love verse 14 because verse 14 is just, it, it's, it should be like a battle cry for us. It should be a, a, a verse that we should keep fresh on our memories. Look at verse 14. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. This guy, you know, he's just saying, this is what I've seen. This is my testimony. That whatever God does, it lasts forever. This is a wise man who's looking back on his life and he's saying, I've done all this, but it's not going to last. It's not brought me happiness. It's not brought me peace. But whatever God does, that's good. We were talking this morning about how long this church has been here. and nobody, No one can agree. We know, we know we built a church in 1907, I think it was. Uh, there was a body of believers before that, though. There were people here living in Indian Territory who were proclaiming the gospel long before, maybe 20 years or more before. I mean, we know we have graves around here that are from like the 1870s, you know? They're, they're there. So I, we don't know the exact, the fullness of our history as a church. It doesn't matter. The, the thing that we need to understand, though, is that this church still exists not because people are good, but because God is good. Because of his righteousness. That whatever God does, guess what? It lasts. When you think about marriage, when, when you think about relationships, when you think about doing church, when you think about building a nation that glorifies God, understand that if God does it, it will last. But if he doesn't, it won't. You guys see the importance of putting God in your life? And not relying upon yourself. I, I think there's a misconception in this world as, to, as to, to the condition of mankind. We've looked at the condition of life. Is the condition of life really that good? Sometimes it gives you good things and sometimes life gives you bad things. When I was, uh, when I was younger, I grew up in Oklahoma City. And up there they have 7-Elevens. They fell in comparison to a quick trip. I'll give you that. But at the time, 7-Elevens were the place to go because you could get yourself an Icy. 
When I was a kid, man, we'd come up to church on like a Saturday night because we all like to hang out together. All my buddies, we'd run down there, and I'd usually buy one of them, them delicious hot ham and cheeses that are in the freezer section. They've probably been there since like the, the early 80s. And then I would stick it in this, uh, uh, this microwave that looked like it was running on nuclear power, and I would stick it in there, and it would boil over, and, and I would take that, and I would have that in an icy, and that's what I would eat on a Friday night as we played basketball or as we got up on stage and played instruments or whatever we were doing that weekend. But you know, as you're going to get an icy, sometimes those ices were really good, and sometimes they were just all syrup, or they were all ice. You ever, you ever seen that before? It's, you never knew. And if you got a good one, you're like, this is going to be a good Friday night, because that is a perfect icy right there. You know, life is like that icy machine. Sometimes it's really good, and sometimes it's not. Why would you put your trust in something it's not good all the time. Because I want you to understand God is good all the time. Your work, your goodness is not good all the time. You will not always be good. You will not always. If, if you as a person could be good enough as you claim to be, then you wouldn't need Jesus. This world is imperfect. It's corrupted. It's corrupted, it's, it's, it's broken. It's good sometimes, but most of the time it's not. And the game plan is that we just need to seek God more. We need to seek Him more. There's, there's a misconception as to our condition as who we are as people. Look at Mark chapter 10. Look at this verse this morning, guys. Jesus is talking to this rich, young ruler I think it's interesting, and which, by the way, I'm not bringing this up this morning because of uh, a Facebook post I had this week. By the way, <laughs> this was going to happen long before, but here we are. We had a rich young ruler who was writing the book of Ecclesiastes, and here in Mark we have a rich young ruler who's coming to Jesus. And I want you guys just to listen to this little snippet of the the conversation. Mark 10, starting at verse 17. This is interesting. Talking about Jesus, it says, As he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. Verse 20. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him. And said to him, You lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful. For he had great 
possessions. This conversation we see here, this is, I think is very relevant to what we're talking about here in Ecclesiastes. The, this very thought is to what is the condition of this life and what is the condition of our hearts. We can approach this, uh, this very broken world in a broken way or we can approach it in a way in which God is given glory. You guys see the two options here, right? We, we've seen what happens when people do what they want to do, when they abide in their own quote-unquote goodness. Jesus himself here says, when the guy calls him good, good teacher, which understand too, when you look at the times, when you look at the, the historical context, even as good as a, <laughs> as, good, as a rabbi might have been that time, people wouldn't have called the rabbi good because God was only called good. Historically speaking, in their culture, they, they didn't call anybody good because that was their belief is that no one is good. And I know as foreign as that is to us today, we'll say, well, he's a good old boy or he's a good old girl. Guys, that, that should be out of our vocabulary because there's only one good and it's God. Well, maybe it's a definition, Daniel. Maybe good can mean different things in different situations. Actually, if you look into the Greek here, this, this Greek word is agathos. Everybody say agathos. Okay, you learned a little Greek today. Agathos. Agathos literally means excellent or upstanding. This word good is not necessary. It's not just in reference to religious thoughts. It's for the whole gamut. This guy comes up, and let's, 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 let's insert that definition into the, into the words there. This guy comes up, and he says, excellent, upstanding, upright, honorable rabbi. What can I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, why do you call me? Excellent. Why do you call me upstanding or upright or honorable? Only God is excellent, upstanding, upright, honorable. Only God. See, we can get in a very bad circle of living if we ever think that there's a part of us that's excellent, honorable, upstanding. If we think that that's who we are. Now, guys, understand, I'm talking and I'm looking at a group of people today who I know you're, by our cultural context, you are good people, but it's dangerous to walk around saying, I'm a good person, because if you ever live that out, if you allow that to take hold in your mind that you're a good person, then all of a sudden you may find yourself saying, I don't need a good God because I'm good enough to get myself there, but you're never going to get there by that thought. It's not going to happen. I know, man, some people say, well, there's a lot of good people in this world. I, I get what you're saying, but, but at the same time, it's dangerous to say that because there's only one who's good. Don't equate people to God. These people in your life, they may be good, unquote, unquote, people. They may be the ones that, that are there to help you. They're your friends. They're your family. They're there to help you. But did any of these people ever go to the cross of Calvary and die for your eternal soul? No. In context of this story, this guy's coming to Jesus, and he's like, I, I want to get things right. And I think it's interesting, Jesus stops him with an introduction. He doesn't even get to the other stuff that much. The guy's like, hey, good teacher, I got all these questions for you. I need some help. I want to live forever. And Jesus is like, wait, 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 what, what you said there at the beginning, why did you call me good? I know there's a lot of reasons. He, he could be saying, are you calling me God? 
But then Jesus looks at him, and he sets him straight in that very moment. Everybody following me here? From the get-go, he is saying, there's only one that's good. And this man, if you know who he was, he's a rich young ruler. He's, he's, he's moral. <laughs> we hear that all the time in elections, aren't we? That, that, that person is a moral person. But he looks at this guy and he's like, there's no one that's good. I, I kind of understand why people would be offended if you say there's no one good. Because some people literally think that they're a good person. They literally think that they're fine. But a lot of times these people that I, I hear that say that they're, they say they're good, they're also not following after Christ like they should. Those are hard words. And honestly, I, I find no joy in saying that today. My, my heart is heavy because I do have a couple friends who, who think that's all they need. And I say that knowing they may be listening to this very sermon that I'm preaching. I don't say it out of hate. I say it out of love because our hope will never be found in our own good works because our good works do not exist. In the words of Christ, there is only one good, and that's God. And in this broken, messed up world, we're never going to have the agathos to get through this world <laughs> on our own. The only thing we're going to find is agony. Agathos will never be who we are until God sets us free. We'll find goodness in heaven when we've been completely redeemed. But in the meantime, we must be seeking Him. In the meantime, guys, it's good to know what we're up against. In the meantime, it's good to know and to have a game plan. And so now we must be a people who are going out and we're living our lives in order to glorify God. We're living our lives in order to go out and to see Him. We're a, we're a group of people who seek joy and we do good. And the only way we can do that is if God is right there. When a pastor tells you, or a preacher tells you, or a Sunday school teacher tells you, or somebody on the radio tells you, you need to read your Bible. Church, listen up to me right now. You need to be reading your Bibles. Quit saying, well, I'm, I'm too young, I'm too tired. Quit saying those types of things. I'm too old. It's too confusing for me. Guys, you need to be in your Bible. And the reason we tell you that is because that is your key to growing closer to God. That is your key to glorifying Him. That's your key to seeing, you know what? I'm not all that good. I need a good God in my life. And that stuff only happens through faith. And faith only happens when you read the Word of God. When a pastor tells you to pray, you know what, what they're really saying? Start talking to God. Start listening to God. Get closer to God. When we tell you to come to church, we don't mean come to church so we can fill the pews. We tell you that we want you to, to come to church to experience life with others, to encourage you to get closer to who? To God. There is only one who is good, and that is God. And in this uncertain world, and I, people say it's uncertain. It's really not uncertain. There's going to be good stuff happen and bad stuff happen. Now what are you going to do with your life? the one thing we need to be doing is seeking God. Amen? 
As we're here this morning, you know, let's not be like the rich young ruler who comes to Jesus and says, Man, I understand. I, I, I want to be good. I, I want to I live a life. I want to have eternal life. God, what do I need to do? But he couldn't swallow the pill that he couldn't do it on his own. He'd have to trust God. He'd have to sell off what was holding him back. He says he walked away, and the reason he walked away is why? What's this say? He wasn't good. He couldn't let go of possessions. He couldn't let go of possessions. You know, honestly, as a believer in Jesus Christ, this is where you ought to be. Some people say, well, if I read my Bible and I pray and I come to church every Sunday and I get all the little Sunday school pins because I got perfect attendance or whatever, which we used to do and I thought they were cool. Man, when I was a kid, I looked like a five-star general. You know, man, I never missed Sunday school. But the thing is, is I still, when I got older, I had to come to Christ on my own, right? I had to pray to him. I had to accept him. I had to realize my sinfulness. I had to realize that I wasn't good enough, that all those pins did nothing but weigh me down on one side. But as a believer in Jesus Christ today, you need to understand this, guys. We need to reach a point. Where should we be, spiritually speaking? Here's where you ought to be, spiritually speaking. If God calls you right now to get up and to go do something, there, should never be, there shouldn't be a hesitation in your heart. You should be like, all right, God, that's where you want me to go. That's where I'm going. If God calls you to do something, go do it. We've become so comfortable in the church sometimes that if somebody asks us to do something, you know, teach a class or work with youth or work with kids or, you know, give some money to a mission or something like that, we have to sit and contemplate it first when we ought to be like, yes, Lord. <laughs> right? Am I wrong? If God called you right now, let me, let, me, let me stretch it a little bit, right? Everybody look at me. If God called you right now to move to Africa to be a missionary, how many of you would be like, okay, Lord, I'm going? Most of us would be like, you crazy. But if God's calling, why would we want to be anywhere else? If God was calling us, why, why would we want to stay where we're at? If, if we know He is... His way is the best, that He is alone is good, then why wouldn't we want to be where He's at? Your goal should be to be living a life in which it's super easy to follow Him because you know that <laughs> you need Him. You understand that apart from Him, you're nothing. Don't be the rich young ruler who just walks away sad, but be the victorious Christian who walks away saying, thank you, God, for loving me. Mm -hmm.